Hello, my friends, and welcome to More Than Rubies. I am Sarai, the host of the show, along with being the content um, creator and just everything in between um, that has to do with this podcast. I am so thankful to be on here today. I cannot believe we're already in April. I feel like I say that with every month, every time I'm on here on a new different month. I just feel like this year is going by so fast. Maybe it's just me, but the main thing is that we are here together. We're alive, we're breathing, amen. And we're just so thankful for everything that God is doing in our life. And I am super, super thankful for this way of just this platform where I can reach to to people where I can, you know, just bring some some positivity to their life, bring some clarifications on on the word and just different things that the Holy Spirit, you know, places on my heart and mind and you know, and just in myself to to bring to you. Um and today I'm going to bring something that it's just mind-blowing to me. You know, when we really dig into the word, it really speaks to us. You know, we have so many questions through throughout our lives that you know it feels like god never answers them but if you get into the word everything is there and that is why it's so important that we daily as believers we get into his word because everything that we need to know for the most part is in his word amen praise god and um so this title uh episode is do not handle do not taste do not touch i'm going to be reading out of the book of colossians chapter 2 verses 6 through 23 um, from the NIV version and I am just so excited to be bringing this to you guys today because it was such a revelation to me and I hope and pray that it's a revelation to you as well and that it just brings us closer to what God wants and diffuses everything else that we've been following or been practicing because of what we've learned throughout our time in in our walk with Jesus right so Without further ado, I would like to welcome you if you are new. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you and God bless all of you who have been just loyal and just listening um, from day one. Thank you so much for your support. A hundred thousand percent appreciate it. And um, let's jump in. All right. So let's jump right in. I am so excited because... You know, time and time again, I'm going to speak for myself right now. We grow up, well, I grew up, right, in a Christian home. Been to so many different churches where you tend to pick up, right, the practices, the traditions, the man-made rules, man-made regulations where you you don't know any difference so you you feel and believe right that you are doing the right thing by abiding by these rules and regulations that are purely strictly man-made that god has not even said in his word that you should do or not do right for example where um i i want to say maybe the foundation of my upbringing in the christian home it was like pentecostal right so it was like the strict Pentecostal belief where, um, which first of all, I don't believe in any of these Pentecostal Baptists. I don't believe in any of that. I just believe in Jesus. Let me just put that out there because that's a man-made thing. There's nowhere in the Bible that says Baptists 
or Pentecostal. I don't even know where they got the Pentecostal. I don't even know. I, I, I don't really know where they got these names from, which is something I need to, I'm going to research and I'm going to bring to you guys because I am interesting, interested in knowing like, where did all these dom dominations or denominations, I'm sorry, <laughs> all these denominations come from? I have no idea. So I'm definitely going to bring a little study on that um a deep research on all these things because they're all man-made my friends there's nothing in the bible that says well if you're a baptist you should do blah 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 well if you're a pentecostal you should do xyz if you're an advantist if you're you know all these different a lutheran whatever oh what are you what are you i am a christian i am a follower of jesus christ that's who i am i believe in jesus i am not a pentecostal i am not a baptist i am not a a, a sabbath seventh day advanced whatever they are i don't even know i'm not a lutheran i'm not any of that i am a follower of jesus christ that's it it's not and it's just it's mind-boggling to me how is everything if you really think about it and you sit back and you think about the churches that you visited the places that you've been to well i'm gonna go visit uh first baptist church at the whatever i'm gonna go visit you know the first christ whatever you know like what in the world is this why are there so many churches anyway why there's so many buildings like literally driving to work one day i counted no lie my friends probably seven different churches on the same street why why do we have seven different churches if we're serving the same god why do we have to have so many churches why do we have to have, oh, I belong to a Pentecostal, I belong to a Baptist, and we do it this way, that way. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says anything about these things at all. So let's just start there. And it gets me fired up because it's so annoying to me. It's frustrating. Why do we do this? Why is there so much division in the body of Christ? We're a body of Christ and we're divided because of what what the man did not what god did not what jesus did what the man did oh you're a baptist i ain't talking to you because i'm pentecostal and we're like okay so you serve a, a baptist god is that what that is because the last time i checked jesus died for all of us it's the same jesus that we talk about right so why are we saying oh i'm a pentecostal and you know you guys are doing it wrong over here we have the fire the anointing is in this church the anointing is not in that church because that's pentecostal and we're baptist we have the truth um hello last time i checked jesus is the truth right so my friends it's mind-boggling to me so through this thought process this this past few weeks i was like you know what i just i don't get it god like why do people do this what's going on why do we have all these churches in the same street? You don't see that with Catholic churches. Here where I live, there's only one. And that's how it should be. We're serving the same God. Why do we have so many small little pockets of churches? We're, well, first of all, we're the church, buildings, or temples, whatever you want to call them, to go and worship the same God, to go and talk about the same word. But you know what it is? It's man-made things where they want to make it the man thing, right? Is their rules. They're the ones controlling the situation. They're the ones controlling the sheeps, feeding them garbage, allowing them not to grow spiritually, keeping them blindsided, keeping them in their filthiness of sin, keeping them in where it feels good so everybody can give their tithe and their offering and just make it a business. 
Because at the end of the day, my friends, that's what it is. All these man-made stuff, when it comes to Christianity, it's upsetting. It's embarrassing. We serve the true living God. And we're acting like these freaking people that don't know the truth. We're acting like pagans. We need to wake up and look around and see the truth. What are we doing? Why do we celebrate Easter? Easter is the pagan holiday. It comes from Ishtar, which is a goddess of fertility. Why are we doing it in the churches? What does eggs and bunnies and, and all this other stuff have to do with the rise, the risen of Christ? Nothing. Easter has nothing to do with Jesus being, you know, resurrected at all. At all. Which is another study I'm going to bring about all these paganism holidays that Christians have brought into the church and they do it. And, it's hol and these holidays are evil. It says in the word to stay away from paganism festivities. But yet, we bring them into the church? Oh, let's do an egg hunt for all the kids. Let's get all the baskets and everybody dress up. And we're going to have the Easter Bunny. What in the world are we doing? Again, man-made regulations, man-made rules to make everybody comfortable, bring the world into the truth. What the heck are we doing? How are we going to stand out? How are we going to shine if we're bringing the world into our homes, into our lives, allowing the paganism stuff into our lives? How are we going to grow spiritually if we continue to live in bondage, doing the same exact things that the world does? Oh, you know, I only go to church on Easter Sunday because it's a tradition that we do. Oh, you know what? I only go to church on Christmas Day because it's a tradition that my family and I do. Far away from God. Don't even have Jesus in their life as they should. Pagans. Pagans. So don't come to me telling me that you're a Christian and you're doing Easter. There's n That's not even in the Bible. Where? Where? Show me. If it's not in the Bible, it's not true. If you cannot back me up, if you cannot back up what you're telling me with the word of God, shut it up. Shut it up because I don't want to hear about it. Easter, no Easter. That did not happen. Our Jesus did not resurrect on no Easter. Okay? So if you think about it, Easter has been like, March, April, all these other days, you know, like if it was something consistent, maybe, I don't know, maybe, but either way, my friends, that's not what it is. Ishtar, that's where everything came from, this Ishtar goddess, okay? Pagans worshipped her, worship her still, okay? They brought her bunnies was the symbol because rabbits reproduce like crazy, Right? That's where that comes from. And then egg, of course, right? Meaning a new beginning, new life, right? Egg, fertility. That's what we carry as women. We carry the egg, right? So it can be, you know, fertilized and yada, yada, yada. You know, the rest. That's where all that comes from, from this goddess named Ishtar. And then the Babylons, you know, when in those times, in the Roman times and all that, when um, the Christianity was coming into play, they're like, oh, well, um, let's put this together. We can bring in more people if we, you know, just take away the Ishtar 
name and we put it as Easter. And since Jesus was res resurrected, you know, around that same time frame of this festivity, we're just bringing in more Christians in by saying this was the day that Jesus resurrected. And we'll keep the bunnies and the eggs and make it fun for everybody. So everybody's, it's good. Lies upon lies. And we've been carrying these traditions, these man-made paganism tradition throughout generations and generations and generations and generations, including Christmas, because Jesus was not born on Christmas. And I'm going to bring facts. I'm going to bring facts, my friends, about this. So sit tight. It's okay if you're criticizing me, if you judge me. I don't care. I stand for the truth. Jesus was criticized. He was judged. He was nailed to the cross for our sins. So you guys talking about me doesn't bother me because I know I'm talking the truth and the truth hurts. People just want to sit back and go with the flow and do what everybody else does. Follow the same dumb traditions without even knowing where they come from. Blind. Open your spiritual eyes and see the truth for what it is. It's all in the word. And if you don't practice the word, if you don't read the word of God, you're going to fall into these paganism holidays and you're going to fall into what's coming to this world. Which is, that's another story for another day. But right now, I'm going to bring to you from the word of God in the book of Colossians. In chapter 2, starting in verse 6 where it talks about freedom from human regulations through life with Christ. So if you haven't read Colossians, my friends, and you're practicing every holiday, I think it's time that you open up your Bible, dust it off, and start reading. I'm just saying. So I'm going to start reading from verse 6. Amen? It says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Mm. Six and seven, already powerful verses. Amen. Verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive. Captive, key word, my friends. You with me? See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principle of this world rather than on Christ. It's right here, black and white, clear as day. You with me? I'm gonna read it again. Verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, human tradition, and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Mm. Powerful. Verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I'm sorry, lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. You have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Verse 11. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. 
not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Praise God. Verse 13, when you receive, I'm sorry, when you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. Hmm. Let's camp right here for a minute. Verse 14. Having canceled taken away, removed, deleted, erased, right? Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. That's powerful. So in other words, everything that's man-made, everything that was against us because it's not from God. So whatever is not from God is against us. If that pastor, that preacher, that evangelist, that person, that leader that stands in that pulpit and is talking about Christ, but is having his own man-made rules, it's not for us. It's against us. If it cannot be backed up by the word of God, it's not for us. Period. Period. Okay. All right. Let's move on. We're still on 14. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross praise god therefore do not let anyone judge you one verse 16 by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration or a sabbath these are a shadow of the things that were to come the reality however is found in christ found in Christ, the reality is found in him. 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for your for the prize. Hmm. Let's camp here for a minute. I did a little bit of let's go back to verse 18. Let's go back to verse 18. Eight, I'm sorry, verse 8. Let's go back to verse 8. I did a little bit more uh, digging around because I just love to break down words and just bring in a little bit more of a deeper meaning to these words. Even though they look simple and on the surface. But I always like to go a little bit deeper. I want to know a little bit more. I'm just, I guess I just, I'm just a nerd like that. <laughs> Praise God. So in verse 8 it says, so, so, I'm sorry, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition 
and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. And this is what I kind of wrote down here when I was just digging around and just wanting to see a little bit deeper. So basically, we can't allow no one to take our minds captive through empty, deceptive, misleading words, misleading philosophy, misleading guidance, misleading, right, doctrines that are based on a human's way of thinking, not based on Christ who is truth. Christ is truth. But when you mix both, it brings confusion, it brings bondage, right? It brings discouragement. It brings people just to this matter of just dry in their spirit, no growth. And that's not what Christ wants for us. He wants us to be free. There's freedom in him, right? Jesus Christ brought us to freedom, not captivity. Praise God. All right. Now, in verse 16, right? Let's go there and camp for a little bit. Do, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality. Reality. Realness. The truth. Right? When you really see it for what it is, not for what, is, what it seems to be. The reality, however, is found in Christ, my friends. That's deep. That's deep. So... We cannot allow any longer to continue living the way the man wants us to live. Their human mandates, their, their human regulations, their human, you know, just way of, of teaching. We cannot. If, like, again, I'm going to say it again and again. If it's not backed up by the word of God, I am not going to be by your side. I am not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. No. Tell me where in the word does it say this and that? Because if it's not in the word, I don't want to hear nothing about it. Amen? Because the reality is found in Christ. And the word of God is Christ. Because he's the word. Amen? Praise God. So let's go on. Let's move on, on to 18. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. 19. He has lost connection with the head, who is Jesus, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by, the, by his ligaments and snoos, grows as God causes it to grow. Mm. 20. Since you die with Christ to the basic principle of this world, why as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Love that. I love that part. And I did do a little bit more digging on that, which we're going to get into in a minute. Why? Let's read that again. Verse 20. 
since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, meaning you're no longer part of this world, you're no longer under, you're no longer captive to what the man is saying, to what the man is putting as rules, right? We're died, we're dead to that. We're not, we're not following that. We're following Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So since you die with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Verse 21. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. They're going to what? Perish. They ain't going to last. It's not going to get us nowhere. Because what? Because they are based on human commands and teachings. Verse 23. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. Have an appearance. It's not saying that it has it. It has an appearance of wisdom. With their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Hmm. Let's camp here for a minute. So we're going to camp here for a minute. So I went in and I did a little bit more research on false humility. What does that look like? What is false humility? In, in my research, when I found the information of false humility, I was, I was appalled because I was like, this whole time I'm thinking humility comes from a place of brokenness right which which it is i i believe the real humility right but when it's false humility it's a person that is just lacking their own like they they just don't have like that that outlook of themselves as just being a genuine person they're, they're they don't feel happy about themselves they're just you know their self-esteem is super low so they they begin to to put on an act, to put on a front, a mask of this humility and humbleness. And, you know, I'm just here to help you. But at the end of the day, what they really want to do is just to get glory from themselves. They want to feel that, that glorify, like, oh my God, if it wasn't for this person helping me, like, I don't know where I would have been. So they want to get glorified through the actions that they do. That it's not true humility. It's just for their ego and for their 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 self-esteem to just, you know, rise. It's crazy to me. So here, let's camp here for a little bit on false humility. This is what I found, my friends. False humility is pridefulness in disguise. False humility is practiced when we intentionally devalue ourselves or our contributions in an attempt to appear humble. On the other hand, true humbleness is when we fully appreciate our own gifts and talents and don't esteem ourselves above others. Hmm. So if you're around somebody that's showing some kind of like false humility in some kind of way, get away from them. <laughs> that's my best advice. Get away. Get away, get away, get away. We want true humbleness. We want to be humble, like for real, not in appearance not so i can be glorified right false humility is a kind of pride that many of us might be practicing without realizing it mm. could that be us 
Could I be one of those? And sometimes we need to do this, my friend. We need to do that spiritual check that I've talked about in my other episodes. Let's pause. Do a spiritual check. Am I showing false humility? Am I being boastful in some kind of way? Am I trying to pretend to be something that I'm not? Because I don't really live it at home, only at when I go to this building called church that I I want to volunteer and I want to I want I want to give and I want people to show you know to show me all this this appreciation and gratitude because of what I'm doing but I'm not doing it from my heart I'm doing it so people can see me hmm okay so this this what this what else I found on this humility false humility there's a quote I read from life's little handbook of wisdom and it's a great quote and this is what it says humility grows out of strength pride grows out of weakness i'm gonna say it again humility grows out of strength pride grows out of weakness my friends isn't that insane to me when someone is prideful it's because they this is how i interpret it personally they like they got it you know going on they have all these things material wise you know financially they're good you know they're just prideful because of the things that they have but it's the opposite it grows out of weakness within themselves they can like masquerade their life is perfect they can masquerade their hurt but deep down inside they're not as strengthful as they look. They're weak. And they have to put up this facade to show everybody else that they're good. And they show this pride that is arrogant, right? Because it's coming out from a weak place. But it makes them feel good in some kind of way to just show on the surface that they got it all together when they really don't. So I love this quote. This quote was very profound to me personally because... Like I said, when I think of someone who has pride, I automatically think they have high self-esteem. However, that's not the case. Mm. <clears throat> False humility fishes for compliments. And they deflect the praise. Like, oh, no, it's fine. You know, it's okay. But inside, they're just getting puffed up. Like, that's what they needed. And this is the things that we need to get away from, my friends. And the only way that we can visualize it is through the Spirit. And if you're not connected through the Holy Spirit, through the, through Jesus, through the Father, you're not gonna you're not gonna acknowledge it. You're not gonna see it. What's around you? Because you're so consumed with all these man-made regulations and wanting so bad to just please the man. Well, if I do this for the pastor, and if I do this for evangelist so and so, and if I volunteer here and this and that, and and the man and the man and the man and the man pleasing the man honoring the man praising the man glorifying the man you're nowhere near the truth because you're so blinded by wanting to give praise to a man than give praise to god mm. pride comes out of a place of hurt and self-pity and false humility takes over forming an appearance of humbleness when in reality they are seeking to gain recognition to help themselves feel somewhat better of who they are that was my interpretation of the whole thing humility is not to think less of oneself but to think of oneself less mm. i'm gonna read that one more time 
Humility is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. Hmm. Praise God. So in verse 23, it's, um, it says something about self-imposed self worship, right? Let's read it again. Verse 23, it says, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship. I was really intrigued by that. So basically, the self-imposed worship is basically saying self-made religion. It's something that, basically, when I looked up the, the word self-imposed, it says voluntary, voluntary of your own free will or design. So basically, self-imposed worship is when one approves of oneself and worship one's own opinion of themselves. Hmm. So it's not really going into what the word says. I'm going to bring in my own thoughts, my own ideas. Where with these own ideas and own thoughts just coming out of me, I will be glorified through it. I'm going to be worshipped through it. Because when they bring, when these people that are practicing these kind of false humility and just self-imposed worship, they're looking to gain something out for, out for themselves. So they're going to, when the people in the congregation are praising, they're receiving that praise for themselves because it was their idea. Didn't even come from God. So they're, they're just filling themselves up, puffing themselves up, right? With these praises and worship of their own thoughts and their own ideas. Hmm. Dangerous. In the same verse right here, it says... And their, and their harsh treatment of the body. So that caught my attention as well. What, what could be a harsh treatment of the body? And these are some things that I that I uh, wrote down in my research, which was hardcore fasting by avoiding certain foods, like the Daniel fasting, my friends. Every year, the program. Program agendas. It's a new year. Let's do the Daniel fasting, everybody. Woo! What are you really gaining out of that? Well, you stay away from certain foods for a certain amount of time or days or months, whatever it is. And then you're supposed to be what? What's the outcome? What's the results? What's the purpose out of this agenda and program? Fasting. Fasting should be something between you and God. Number one. Nobody needs to know you're fasting. That's between you and God. It says in the word, anoint your head with oil when you're going to go fast and then wash your face so no one knows, right, that you're anointed with oil and that you're, you're fasting. Nobody needs to know that. That's between you and God, your relation with him. Because we fast for things that are deep-rooted within us or maybe for a family member. It's things that are personal. Nobody needs to know that. So then the self-imposed worship people, right? These man-made regulations. The whole congregation is Daniel fasting because the man said so. Where in the world in the Bible does it tell you you need to do a Daniel fasting? Please tell me, please, please. If if you have that information, please share it. Please share it. 
because I've read the Bible so many times and I continue to daily and I haven't found it yet where it says you need to do a Daniel fast. No, it does say though, you need to stay away from sin. You need to stay away from things that are going to make you fall into sin. You need to put up your, you need to put down your old self, put it to death so you can live a life that pleases the Lord. It does say that if I gossip, I'm going to go to hell. It does say if I lie, I'm going to go to hell. It does say if I fornicate, I'm going to go to hell. But it doesn't say, hey, you right there, uh, you need to do a Daniel fast. Man-made rules. Man-made regulations. It's so annoying. It's so frustrating because it's not in the word. Why do we do it? Why do we follow it? Why? Why do we continue to do it? As if we're still a part of it. We're not. Jesus said it himself, right? My friends, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. So it goes on saying, so that's the part of harsh treatment to the body, right? But they lack, praise God, they lack any value in restraining sexual indulgence. Why? Because the churches nowadays, the people leaders, evangelists, pastors, whatever you want to call them. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about what's going to send you to hell. They don't talk about that you can lose your salvation. They don't talk about these things because you're nothing but a number. They want your offerings. They want your tithe, but they're sending you straight to hell. Straight to hell, my friends. We need to wake up. So they come up with these rules that do not expose the truth right so they have no value in restraining sexual indulgence sexual pleasures a life devoted to sensual things sexual immorality in the churches fornication in the churches leaders pastors adultery wake up people and these are the men and women that we follow that we want to look like that we want to act like? No, we need to look and act like Jesus. He's the one that died for our sins. Not pastor so-and-so, not evangelist so-and-so. No, it was Jesus. That's what we need to look like. That's what we need to act like. That's what we need to be like in this dark, evil world that we live in. I'm fed up with all these man-made rules and I'm fed up to see how many so-called believers fall into this garbage into this nonsense because that's what it is these man-made rules are nonsense sending us to hell keeping us asleep keeping us captive when Jesus is, just gave us freedom when he died for us on the cross and rose on the third day what are we doing why are we doing it why are we doing it? I'm going to go back to verse 20 and I'm going to end with it. I'm going to close with it. Verse 20 says, You die with Christ to the basic principle of this world. Why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Why do we submit to their rules? Why, my friends? We need to wake up. We need to wake up. 
We need to wake up and start following Jesus and what he left for us in his word and not follow man-made rules. Easter is not of God. Easter does not mean that Jesus came back to life on the third day. That's not what it represents, my friends. Do your research. I'm going to do my research so I can bring it to you guys. I had it, but I lost my paperwork when I moved and all this stuff of this research that I did on all the holidays, all these paganism holidays. I have it all, and I'm going to bring it to you. Probably do a part two or part three, whatever it takes so I can bring you the truth because we're asleep, and we need to wake up from this nonsense. You give your money year after year to these holidays. For what? What are you doing? What are you doing? Give your time to Jesus. Really, really like live a life of repentance. A life that just wants to please him and not please people. You please people, they're going to backstab you. They're going to talk about you. They're going to criticize you. They're going to judge you. But if you please God, he's going to always be there for you. He is faithful even when you're not faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he's faithful. When we move, when we go far away from him, he's still there. He remains there. Even when we're doing these paganism things, he still loves us. He died for us. Pastor so-and-so didn't die for you. Jesus did. So let's live righteously. Let's get closer to him because he's coming soon, my friends. And if we're not ready, don't get, don't get prepared because you ain't going to make it. We're not going to make it. Let's wake up. Let's do what's right in his sight. Stop playing games. Stop playing in this world of, of paganism holidays and man-made rules. If it's not backed up by the word, don't do it. And the only way you're going to know that it's not backed up with the word because you have a relation with Jesus Christ and you read his word daily. So you won't you know, get caught up in this fake, false religions and, and these man-made rules because Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with the creator. You know how profound that is? That you can say that you have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe? What are we doing? Not that you have a close relation with the pastor that's leading you to hell because he's going through these, doing these man-made regulations. Come on now, wake up. If it doesn't back up, if the word doesn't back it up, don't do it. Where is Easter? Show me. Show me. Nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. But like I said, that is a topic for another day, my friends. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. I really pray and hope that this message spoke to you as it spoke to me. Because you know, when I when I bring these messages, it's just not for you that are listening. It's for me as well. It, it speaks to me first because I'm the one, you know, reading about it, doing the research, and, and just letting myself be, you know, led by the Holy Spirit to understand. What, what is it trying to tell me through the word? My friends, I just really hope and pray that it spoke to you, that it revealed to you things that will question yourself, will question who you follow, will question who you want to be like. Because at, at the end of the day, my friends, our goal is to be more like Jesus. 
so we can be light in this world, so we can be light and salt in this world. Not to be like whoever is in the pulpit, because we don't know them. Only God does. And if we have the Holy Spirit in, in our lives, because the Holy Spirit, right, knows all things, sees all things, because God in us. So we'll be able to see the truth. We'll have discernment deep enough to know if that person that's on that pulpit is really about God or not. But if you don't have the discernment, you're going to fall right with it. You're going to go into these man-made rules. You're going to fall into these man-made regulations. And that's what Jesus doesn't want for us. Jesus didn't die for us so we can be captive by men. So because when we do that, we're saying that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was in vain. He came to set us free and free indeed. Right? So let's reevaluate ourselves. How are we living for Christ? What are the things that we're doing that is helping us to reach the goal of looking more like him and living a life under his way of living not what man man you know man-made rules want us to look like or live like amen thank you so much for listening thank you for tuning in i pray that you have a wonderful day a wonderful week and i pray that you know you will continue to come and um and listen as I bring different episodes and, and just more, you know, studies on different things and research that I believe we need for these times that we're living in to be prepared to be awake. If this is an episode that you believe will help a friend, a family member, please feel free to share. I would really um, appreciate that because we're all working for, for the kingdom of God. Amen. And um, thank you for those that, you know, have been praying for me. I pray that god blesses you please continue to pray for me that that god would just continue to to use me and to to clearly you know reveal to me his word that i can share it profoundly with wisdom that only can come from him amen and um i'm just so thankful and it's a privilege that god has chosen me for this time to bring his word in such a tough time such a tough generation that we're living in that is just spiritual warfare on every corner, every second of the day. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. And greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And if you are going through some things right now, I pray that you hold on to your faith. That Jesus is with you. That you get reminded of his, of his word. Right? That he is faithful and that he's true. And he will never let you down. He will never forsake us. Amen. And I pray that whatever stronghold that's, you know, in your life, that it will be just broken in the name of Jesus. All the chains that are just, just tying you into this, this place of just depression or, or darkness or sadness, whatever it may be that is just trying to eat, eat, eat at your mind, eat you away, you know, away from God. I pray against them in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you will just remember that your hope comes from him and that you will seek him wholeheartedly. Because my friends, it's not going to get any better out here. We need to be hunkered down on his word. We need to get anchored on his promises and really know his word. Rem memorize Bible scripture. Memorize, you know, because this is our weapon. <laughs> the word of God is, is, is alive. Amen. It's a double-edged sword. 
and it's alive and it's true and it's our weapon to survive in this dark world and if you're not geared up with the weapons you're gonna lose the battle praise god so again i thank you thank you for tuning in god bless you and keep me in your prayers and um until next time and remember that you're valuable far more than rubies god bless you